0: This is an AMI podcast.
1: I'm Kelly McDonald.
2: I'm Ramia Umadhan. And this is Kelly and Ramia.
3: Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Company. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI-audio's on-air community, and everyone's invited. And now, the host of today's show... Ramya Amuthan.
2: Happy Friday to you. And if you're celebrating, happy Black Friday to you. And happy pre-Cyber Monday to you. (laughs) And happy post-Thanksgiving for our friends in America. Margaret Weldon is back with me again. Margaret, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Black Friday situation that's going on and some other related things. But um, for you, are you doing any in-person shopping this year? Do you ever do it, first of all? Is that is that regular for you, typical? And are you planning to do any this year?
4: Well, actually, um, I I rarely do in-person shopping. Actually, I rarely do online shopping either. Only when I need to. I
2: rarely do shopping.
4: Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, that's what I'm, that's right. Um, but no, but you see, I'm lucky because I only have one real gift that I buy at Christmas and that's for my nephew. Like my siblings and oh, I okay. decided years ago that, no, you know what? We're running around getting each other gift certificates and things like that.
2: So what's the point? No more,
4: right? Yeah, that's right.
2: Yeah. yeah. It's a good time, actually, when you come to an agreement with your family or whoever your group is, right, that you usually or in the past have had to scramble and and do gift giving. And then you get to this point where you're like, guys, let's just put it all on the table and talk about it. Um, I have a group of friends that I've kept in touch with since high school, and we've had that conversation in the last couple of years. And we're like, maybe it's n- it's not about gifts anymore for us. Maybe it's just about keeping in touch and getting together during the holidays. So let's do that and maybe more food focused, that kind of thing.
4: That's actually what we look at, right? Is, is mm-hmm. just keeping in touch and getting together. And you know, sometimes we even do it, um, you know, just before the holidays, which we might be this year, or just after the holidays.
2: Um, right. You know,
4: but it, but it's the the point is that you get together, you talk, you have fun, you eat, you drink, whatever, and that's that's our yeah. point of it all. You know.
2: Yeah, but the and that's a good point too.
4: Plus. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. It's so. <laughs> that,
2: <that's> all good. <laughs> that's right. Um, but it's true. Even the the being able to schedule and be transparent about how busy the holidays are, and say maybe we meet in one of the dead zones, like before the holidays start early, early December or after in January, that kind of thing. Uh, We've definitely had to have more of these conversations as pandemic restrictions lift, as people have more people to reacquaint with. um, These conversations are also pretty big. But hey, speaking of conversations, let's tell people what is coming up on today's edition of Kelly and Company. It's the end of an era for Facebook users. Facebook is taking off sexuality, religion, address, and politics fields off your user profiles. Wow, going to be a big one talking to John Beeler about that.
4: It's Friday after all. VocalEye is offering a variety of live theater performances, and we'll get more details later on from Sylvie Fouquet in her content or sorry regional content report.
2: Also in the second hour of Kelly and Company talking about Kobo Kobo Reader and Kobo Plus, which is recently released in Canada. And this is very exciting news, says Ryan Hooley. So we'll chat about it on the Chatty Bookshelf. Okay, as we promised, let's talk some more um, shopping uh, things, happenings going on right now. So starting with Amazon workers. Okay, Amazon workers are taking a stand with a third year of Make Amazon Pay demonstrations. And this is starting today. And they're hoping to achieve better conditions for employees worldwide. Many employees are planning to walk out today on what is one of the busiest shopping days of the year, Black Friday. And ABC's reporter, Andrew Dimberg, has more.
1: Workers are demanding higher wages, safer working conditions, and the right to join or form unions. Employees from some 40 countries and 18 different warehouses plan to take part in the walkout today. Now, we've reached out to Amazon but have not yet heard back. But a company spokesperson tells Fortune magazine it's working to address some of those worker issues.
2: Workers are demanding higher wages, safer working conditions, and the right to join or form unions. Okay, so obviously this is big and it's been happening for a while. I wonder how much the the you and I, you know, populations know about this Margaret or keep in touch. Though we use Amazon a lot, on average people are using tons of Amazon, especially this time of year and we know how busy it is for Amazon for delivery services uh and and shipping. Do we care enough and do we know enough about the stuff like this, right? What happens in the background? People are not happy and uh, they want better quality and more pay.
4: Well, I'll tell you something. I, I do know a little bit more about this because I do know of a couple of uh, people that are employees of Amazon. And what it comes down to is this is a couple of things. Number one, they tend to need more people You know, during the holiday season. So what they do is they will hire people and promise them the sun, moon and stars and half the time they don't get it. And then number two, there are times when employees will go into work, and they'll say, Oh, sorry, we have no work for you today. And send them home and, 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 and not, you know, and they don't get paid. For the date, so yes, I I I do understand what their issues are, but like I say, it's only because I I had these two connections that I that I know that mm-hmm. work with Amazon or for Amazon. So yeah, that that that's well, where that a sounds a bit stemmed from.
2: Yeah, and that sounds very frustrating, right? For individuals, people who are making up this gigantic multi million dollar company, um, and yet they're not satisfied and they're not doing well and like you said the busiest time of year you know you need to be compensated if you're putting in the hours because for whatever reasons you've decided to do that and you're not getting the right um the right amount of money or all these other things like you're talking about showing up to work and not being paid that's not okay um, so it is It's difficult, right? And we're very ignorant. Most of us are very ignorant about these kind of uh, circumstances. And we... Think very specifically about the gifts that we need to get ordered, the stuff that we need, the the party planning that goes on or event planning or dinner planning or whatever. And Amazon gets used here, there, everywhere. But um, are the people happy? Probably not. Let's keep moving on because inflation, they say, is weighing on U.S. consumers at Black Friday returns to familiar or as Black Friday returns to familiar holiday shopping patterns.
3: Macy's
5: Herald Square in Manhattan has been bustling with shoppers today. 60% off fashion jewelry, 50% off select shoes, says Macy's. CEO Jeff Gannett says there's significantly more traffic on this Black Friday compared to the previous two years because shoppers feel more comfortable in crowds. But how much money will they spend? Analysts say shoppers are buying cheaper items now as higher prices for food, rent, gas, and other necessities weigh on them. They're dipping more into savings and turning to buy-now-pay-later services. Some are running up their credit cards as the Fed hikes interest rates to try to cool inflation. I'm Rita Foley.
2: Yeah, maybe we'll get a chance more to comment on this throughout the show, Margaret, but it is interesting to hear the stats and the habits of people, even though we're not necessarily uh, feeling like we can fund the shopping that we're doing, we want to get back into it so bad. And so it's part of the norm, and options. Yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah. part of the
4: norm. And I think uh, with, with the pandemic kind of out of the way, but inflation, inflation no, it doesn't surprise me what uh, no. Ms. Foley is saying there. No. no.
2: All right, taking a break. We'll be back with Lifestyle because it's Friday. Grant Hardy's going to bring us that here on Kelly and Company. Conversations about gifts and shopping in some form or another will show up on the show in the next couple of weeks because, I mean, we want to help you out. Whether or not you go out and buy things is is your call, but if you decide to do that, we'll have lots of suggestions here for you on the show. 1-866-509-4545 is where you can call us at to give us your comments and uh, leave us a message if you want us to play that voicemail on the air give us permission to do that please also feedback at ami.ca that's our email address and on twitter we are at ami audio that's the handle that you can reach us out uh to. and now on fridays we like to talk lifestyle and to bring us this great uh selection of conversation materials is grant hardy grant welcome back
1: Hey, uh, Rami and Margaret, I'm I'm so sorry. I forgot to send you guys my extensive uh, holiday wish list. I'll get it to you as soon as the segment's Please. done. You know, so you can, DNA, yeah.
2: yeah, we can use that as inspiration <laughs> for show content. Okay,
1: for, oh, I'm not thinking show content. I'm thinking,
2: you know... Oh, first, oh, first, oh. Just got in case we any I'm ideas. Just I'm just kidding. Yeah, we'll see. I'm just kidding.
1: Okay, well... Uh maybe on a little actually it's not really a lighter note, it's a heavier note. Uh we've got some lifestyle content here. I did find an article from the Edmonton Journal. Uh the Alberta government uh announced changes uh yesterday, and they mean that school authorities can only shift grade one through grade twelve classes online if they also maintain an in-person options for parents who want to keep sending their kids to school. The government also stated that students from early childhood programs up until grade 12 can't be denied in-person education due to their personal decision to wear or not wear a mask. The new regulations come into effect immediately, specific educational programming being provided in a hospital or a correctional facility for example will be exempt from the in-person learning requirements hospitals are also facing a surge of sick kids the scholarly children's hospital medical director confirmed last week that the children's hospital is full but staff are prepared to create surge spaces uh, the uh, Alberta Premier Danielle Smith has said that she doesn't support the return of masking in the classroom. She said in a Thursday statement that parents and students want to be in a normal school environment, but NDP opposition health critic Sarah Hoffman said in a statement that the announcement shows the Premier an education minister don't have a clue what's happening in schools. It is totally unrealistic to expect that school districts can staff in person and online classes simultaneously with no additional resources. They, she said they're also struggling to staff schools already given cuts in the last budget. So yeah, just uh, thinking about this and I'm curious, uh, I mean, I don't really expect anybody here to take a sort of a stand, uh, masking or no masking. I mean, personally, I I have to say that I think wearing masks in public spaces is a good idea. But I also don't know that I would want to rel- to deny opportunities from kids who do too costs, lack of resources, uh, you know, what's being imposed imposed on them by their families, sensory issues, this and that. Not sure I would want to deny them access to that in-person learning environment because I do believe that just comparing online to in-person education, there's, there's just no comparison for all those opportunities you lose out on.
4: I think That's a
2: hundred percent. Yeah, no, like it, and there's really, you know, no matter how many conversations we have about the types of changes that need to happen, the ways that we need to adapt, because uh, times are changing. Times have changed now for several years and therefore we are experiencing all kinds of new norms. Right. But honestly, and I, my brother is in university right now and three out of four years that he's been in university have been virtual. And, you know, he's he's pretty open to, to sharing about, like, the experience just being subpar um, and not exactly feeling like he's gone through the kind of education that he expected to go through with university simply because so much has changed. And it, it does. It uh, compromises your experience. Do
1: You know what? It is... Crying shame. It really is a huge shame. Just thinking back to my experience, you know, in a dorm for my first couple years and just kind of learning how to be awkward and less awkward and fit in with a bunch of other like young people who are just learning about the world and comparing that to the maybe two or three online classes that I've taken in in adult ed and university. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just no comparison. And I feel just so incredibly bad for this generation that's had to struggle mm-hmm. with not having those same experiences that we've gotten to enjoy.
2: yep. And then and we're think just the- thinking about that one age group. Like imagine in every stage of schooling, what people have missed out on now for several years. Margaret, you yeah. were gonna say?
4: I was gonna say, yeah, and, and I think too with the university things as as well, um, as well as the on stage the uh the, the preschools and that too. I I think the other thing is too is is that people are saying, but you know, if we do on learning, if we do our, our learning at home or if I'm teaching my student or if I'm if I'm looking after my child because the child isn't allowed to go to school, we still have to pay the same amount of taxes or we still have to pay the same amount of tuition. Like nothing tuition, changes yeah. there. You know, I guess it depends on which way you look at it, right? Like if you're little kids, like their taxes, if, you know, um, and I mean, I, I know the government here kind of justifies it and says, well, no, we're not going to give, you know, money to uh, this. We're going to give money to parents instead so they can find ways to help their children. And even that's not enough. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. I, I think the in-person learning is, is better in so many ways, yeah. and, you know, yeah. And uh, the Just mask, yeah, it's has got to be, a yeah, that's right, that's hmm. right yeah i'm
1: not expecting anybody to take a stand on air here about masks and then Mm -mm. wait for the happy and angry feedback to pour in here from both (laughs) sides so don't worry about that um okay let's see here i wanted to move on this was kind of an interesting one um you know even we're, we're thinking about the world cup this year but this applies to you know musicians and public speakers uh a ton of professional people sometimes choke under the weight of the uh, the moment, that moment where you have to make the big move, you have to deliver your speech etc, uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. And the reason being is that normally when you do something, like you're playing golf, or you're playing a musical instrument, you're just walking down the stairs, uh, they say you don't really think about sort of at a micro level, every step of the journey. But when you are nervous about something, you start to think in your mind, about what other people are going to think of you. You get nervous. You start to think about every step of the way, and that really messes you up. So they say when nerves flare up, we can actually choose to reinterpret our pounding heart and sweaty palms in a way that Mm. enhances our performance. So studies have shown that when people tell themselves they're excited rather than nervous, they perform better. And choking uh of course as i said doesn't just affect uh like athletes and musicians it can rear its ugly head in h- other high pressure situations like job interviews or math tests in those case uh, cases worry takes up space in our working memory hindering performance so the idea again is to not worry so much about what people are thinking and try and ch- channel your energy Into excitement rather than nervousness. You know, it's funny, I love doing karaoke. (laughs) This this is one of the things that I I love going out to do. And I always get so anxious and nervous before I'm performing. (laughs) And if you think about it, it's ridiculous because in a year, even in a week, a day, it's not going to matter. No one is going to remember heck you could get out get up there and do a silly performance and then just say, oh, I was just being silly and that would be completely valid. But that 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 fear, that nervousness is there. So I think next time, I'm gonna give this a try. I'm gonna say my hands are sweaty, my heart is racing. That's because I'm just so excited to get up there.
2: (laughs) No, it's true. Okay, seriously Yes. No, not just sold. I, I've been practicing it because, okay. And this is the first time I've heard about this because now you can kind of find it. Um, I don't know if you follow the, follow the people I follow on social media, you can find it. But the first person I heard describe this phenomenon was Mel Robbins. And I'm a huge fan of her, right? And she does an a, an amazing job describing exactly what you just talked about, which is just rechanneling that energy because the physical symptoms are already there. For nervousness and excitement, it's the same thing. So you just got to tell yourself, because it's now how you feed into it, um, how you're going to respond to that. The The hardest part is, though, remembering to do it, because we're so <laughs> wired, right? And we've done it for so long where we're like, oh, God, I'm so nervous. I can't do this. And you're, you're doing that bad self-talk. Um, and mm. to get out of that zone and into this excitement zone and believe it right? Like to actually believe that that's where you're feeling is the challenge I've been experiencing. So you do your karaoke thing and let me know how it goes and maybe (laughs) it'll help the rest of us.
4: (laughs) I go through that when I co-host. I like, I'm not kidding you. Um, And I I think it's just because it's something that I don't do all that. Well, even with my own segments too, I I just, I get so nervous because I've gone over the stuff and I'm sitting here and I got to say to myself, Weldon, you went through it. Get on with it. Like, just break it down. Just do it and get on with it and you'll be okay. And, like, once I start a show or a segment, I'm fine. But it's just getting it going is, is for me, yep. the the obstacle thing. Yeah. And you
1: know what? I've heard of, you know, truly veteran broadcasters who've been in it for for 50 years or something on mm-hmm. national radio who say, You know, every day I'm afraid someone's going to find out I'm not good. I'm an imposter, and they're going to, you know, let me go. Mm. And it's never happened yet, but I still always get nervous that that's going to happen. So that's that's an interesting one.
2: Wow, so many good confessions today. (laughs) No, yeah,
1: and and just to think that so many of those position, those jobs that we do. You for example, stand up comedians. um, A lot of their energy can be kind of nervous energy or or yeah. comes from a perspective of maybe dealing with some of your own issues through through performance. So I don't know, maybe a little more comfort, uh complicated than just redirecting that energy, but I'll try it with karaoke next time and we'll try talk space after. <laughs>
2: yeah. Nothing like real life examples, right? So <laughs> keep it keep it going. <laughs> How do you get? All placed? right. So yeah.
1: Well, what what about you, Ramya? Were you were you nervous uh, the first? I I actually oh. remember being super nervous the first few times I was on air.
2: First several years, and then every time there's some <laughs> kind of addition, like the first time I co or hosted the show by myself, or the first time that I was lead hosting when Kelly was off. You know, the, these kind of things. And it's not just the first time, by the way. It's like the first. Many times you do it. Or the first time I was like, oh no, my screen reader conked out. What do I say now? <laughs> right? Like that kind of thing. Oh my God. It, there's oh, that's definitely. The
4: worst.
2: But I guess it's different for everybody. Public speaking is one that you hear a lot of people get nervous about. Like you mentioned in the article, the performances, public speaking, anything in front of a crowd.
1: Yeah, I think it's funny going back to the issue about whether other people think of you. I think that's what used to make me nervous when I started at AMI is you'd be doing, you know, uh you'd be doing some filming and people would come up to you and say, What are you guys doing here? Like are you are you supposed to be in this location and can you move your camera equipment a little bit? You know, what's going on here? And people would say, Like, oh don't worry about it. But like that's not your job to worry about that. That's you know, the camera operator, you just keep,
4: Mm -hmm. you
1: know, talking away. Um, But (laughs) it starts to get in your head about, okay, now I'm wondering if I'm being loud. Am I being annoying?
2: Right. What are people thinking of us here? Absolutely. Grant, thank you so much. Lots to think about here. Reflection.
1: Thanks guys.
2: We'll catch you later on cut for time. Sounds great. Grant. Grant Hardy joins us on Fridays with lifestyle and on Wednesdays with health. And after the break on Fridays, we check in on our app update. John Beeler is here with that on Kelly and Company. Lots of great podcasts. We know how it is here on AMI-audio. So many original podcasts to check out. The Pulse is one of them. A new episode every week with your host, Joita Gupta. And you can check out this week's episode... Um, on the author and NYU professor Leona Godin about her new book, Their Plant Eyes. As I said yesterday, this is available on CELA, C E L A Library.ca. It's a personal and cultural history of blindness. So check that one out. Um, the book itself and the interview with Leona and Joita on The Pulse, on your favorite podcast platform, or on YouTube. I'm Ramia Amadin here with Margaret Weldon on a Friday. And speaking of Friday, it's time for an app update. John Beeler joins us. He's from Get Connected, joins us from Vancouver to tell us about a couple different things every week. And we get into these discussions. Um, it's very rare that we don't go away thinking, I'm a little more scared of technology. But, <laughs> but maybe this first item can be pretty helpful to us, John, because you're going to tell us where we can find Apple's Official eight hundred and seventy-two page iPhone user manual that we never knew existed. So is this hidden? Like, what's happening here?
6: Well, it's not really hidden, but yeah, it,
2: technically, I yeah. actually
6: didn't. I didn't know about this. Um, basically, anytime Apple comes up with a new version of the operating system or a new phone or other device, they have a user guide for it. They just don't really have it super accessible. And what I found is that if you just Google iPhone user guide, you'll actually find the support page at Apple for this particular document, which you can do in a couple different ways. You can actually uh, use a web-based version of it uh, that has a fantastic search engine. So if there's any kind of setting or function or feature of your phone that you want to play with or understand more about before you start playing with it, this is the place to go to get it. They also have it in a books format. So if you use Apple's books app, you can actually download the book into that as well. And again, it has a search engine and you can easily uh, find anything you need to know about your device and or the operating system within there.
2: Nice. Um, We don't necessarily know, right? If this guide includes all the information about like voiceover or other access features, are there categories for that? I I can't say yes or no to this, but I do know that when you search up most things that have to do with voiceover glitches, yeah, they they include it.
6: Yeah, well, they have it basically. It's a deep dive into every. Particular okay. setting or feature, and nice. and it's all organized by categories too. So you can skip ahead to the you know the accessibility section, for example. And and the thing is, Apple is kind of famous for not telling you everything that it, the software and hardware can do. Um, a lot of times it's sort of buried away because there's usually just so many new things that come out. So this is also probably the best place where all those things are documented. And I think this is where a lot of people that make videos about new Apple features, they just look through this document and they find the new mm. stuff. And because it's, it's all there, you know, uh, the online version of it is about a thousand pages long. So just to give you Oof. an idea, that's just for iOS 16. So, um,
2: are, is there is know, there search uh, capabilities, uh, no. like to be able to look for yeah. something specific within the document? Okay.
6: Yeah,
1: absolutely.
4: I was just gonna okay. say, yeah. So it's it would it would be pretty easy to navigate. I should think, right? Like if you were, you know, if you didn't have any vision, it would be pretty easy to navigate. Would it or wouldn't it, or you wouldn't know?
6: I I, I think it I think it would be. Yeah. I mean, it's it's because there's a web version, um, that's completely broken down with the table of contents and everything like that. But then, uh, there's also the, the book format, uh, which I'm not sure how that would work with your voiceover and, and other screen reading apps. Um, Cause I haven't used it that way, but uh, it's definitely all there. And knowing Apple, I would, I would imagine it'd be very accessible.
4: All right. Fair enough, then. Okay. So, John, let's move on here. Um, I guess uh, we're calling this the end of an era because Facebook is moving uh, things like your sexuality address, political beliefs, and other personal information like that off of uh, your personal profiles. What is this all about? I mean, if you've put them on there, uh, you know, why would they be moving them off?
6: Well, uh, the simple answer is they were uh, told to by uh, a judge um essentially what (laughs) happened and as we all know they didn't come to their senses uh, is what you mean no they're not doing this because they want to they're doing this because they have to um Uh as we as we know there's been a number of issues with uh facebook and privacy and you know back in the old days when we first set up our facebook profiles a lot of people spent a lot of time creating a really rich profile that was very specific to them you know what music they liked what, you know, uh, movies and and just everything you can imagine, basically creating this perfect target-rich environment for advertisers to find out how they should advertise to the specific user. And that, along with all the other... Uh, let's just say, data breaches and and other misuses of that information has sort of forced Facebook to remove that stuff. If you have that stuff populated in your account, essentially what's going to happen is they're just removing that completely. So you're not going to have to go and delete it or anything like that. It will just be deleted for you. Um, Essentially making it harder for, for advertising, but also for maybe bad actors to try to find people that are all of a certain um, you know, religious belief or sexuality—you know—all these different things that people could typically use to search through, as well as being targeted for those specific types of advertising based on those categories. So, it's a—it's an interesting take, and you know, like the um, the the top of the segment, it, you know, it is literally an end of an era because it's going to have to change how Facebook can target its audiences uh, on Facebook.
4: Hmm. Yeah, I wonder how that would affect anybody else, like any other type of, you know, maybe they'll have to follow the leads too, right, that that has uh, personal profiles and that. Will they have to remove all that same kind of information, or <clears throat> will that, depend? Well, you will that would, depend?
6: You would hope so, but I think in the case of most social networks, they they collect as much as they can until they're told they can't, um, because that... Is why these services are free. Is because you are what's being marketed, and uh, and being information is being sold. And so, uh, the more they can capture that you voluntarily give, the better. Um, best practices and ethical guidelines exist, but um, it basically means that uh, you know you're going to have to sort of look at the privacy policies of whatever platform you're looking to use.
2: Yeah, and it's interesting to see like the kinds of mm, different approaches that companies have, right? Like now Apple's talking a lot more about privacy and security, or at least we're talking more about Apple's (laughs) privacy and security. And so when you look at that, and if you're going to set that as your bar, then how many other platforms can you really use if you keep finding out that they're not respecting your privacy and security and they keep selling your Data and information, and they keep advertising to you, and all these other things.
6: Yeah, no, it, I, I think what the takeaway is from this is anyone should be very skeptical of any new platforms yep. um, and, and oversharing that information. Um, it's mm-hmm. something that's it's the drama I think we've been beating for quite a while on this show uh, as, as well as el- elsewhere. And uh, something that, you know, the next topic we're going to talk about is another new social network and uh, yep. you know the reasons why these social networks are popping up is because twitter is on fire and uh people aren't liking what's happening there and so there, there's this sort of uh gold rush to be the next big platform that people want to go to like you said yeah. all of these platforms are having a different way of actually trying to entice users to sign up uh, and what level of information they are requiring to either be invited to their beta software or um, to entice their friends to migrate from one platform to the other? I think the reality yeah. is is most people are just going to sign up for everything, and they're going to—they're not really deleting anything; they're going to wait and see and sort of stay wherever the their community moves to.
2: And actually, that's a really good point too. Before we get to that topic, is the not deleting of older things that you're maybe not using anymore, right? Like I'm a a serious firsthand example of this where I don't use Facebook. I'm barely on Messenger. I know that I'm not a fan of this platform at all, yet I, I still haven't been able to pull the plug. And so even after finding out, you know, week after week, all these different things that are going on in the background with Facebook and is my phone number out there that somebody has shared because they've uploaded their contacts and blah, 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 right? The rest of it. Um, and, and still thinking, yeah, but what if somebody needs to get a hold of me and the only way they can find me is Facebook, right? Because it's been around for so long, John, that it's a default yeah. for many of us.
6: Absolutely. Yeah. And... What it does is it sort of, I guess, reserves your uh, so that no one can impersonate you, which is also a big concern nowadays. Your identity. Well, on that platform, yeah.
2: Right, right. Because yes, if you delete exactly. your
6: account, that effectively will will make your name available to somebody else to impersonate, and they mm-hmm. could have through other social networks have photos of you and other things like that, and create a profile and basically just and it's just a bot and basically harvest. All of your friends that think you're on the platform and that are actively using it, but realizing that actually that's not you—that's that's a bot or somebody else. Right. Um, so terrifying. All the more reason to sort of keep those accounts, but maybe make sure that you don't have anything personally identifiable, or, or minimize the amount of personally identifiable information mm. in that particular network.
2: Yeah. That's an interesting perspective on it. Okay, so as you were kind of teasing here, let's talk about X-Way's CEO. They're trying to replicate an early Twitter and social media vibes with what they're calling Post. So, like, just to clarify, are they trying to replicate what Twitter used to be when we liked it?
6: Yeah, it's Post.News, and it's it's out there now. Um, and essentially what they've tried to do is they, they've got a couple... Um, differences between Twitter. Twitter was famously, you know, uh, the 160 characters, basically whatever you could text message uh, back in the old SMS days. And um, it's evolved since then and expanded the number of, you know, things you can do and including links and photos and that kind of thing. But what post.news is looking to do is you're going to have the ability to have any length of post, so you can actually have a, a you know a full rant about a particular topic. Um, but what's interesting about it is that they're looking to integrate publications, so that say you're talking about a hot button political topic, you can actually um, most likely for a feed, This feature isn't available yet. You can actually bring in alternate viewpoints from other publications, so you actually can have a mm. like a fully formed conversation about you know wow. what saying about it, Um, and the other interesting thing that they're sort of hyping is that it's a very clean interface, and so you have the ability to bring all this stuff in, even if you're not subscribed to those other platforms. Um, so you'll have one integrated website with a clean interface that brings in all of these different things. So, for example, the New York Times, CNN, and some other service, you know, maybe a local paper or something that has a, a hot take on that particular topic, you can bring those all together. And that can be basically your, your conversation that you, you put out there. Um, the other thing that's kind of interesting too, and a lot of social platforms have this is the ability to tip creators of engaging content. So you actually have these integrated, um, micro payments that you can actually, you know, give some points to somebody like, Hey, I really like that article kind of thing without having to actually buy anything, uh, for them. You can actually do it from within the service. So, you know, it's who who knows how popular it's going to be. I think it depends on the will uh, use a service like this. Um, I just got accepted into the wait list. There was a 200,000-person wait list uh, as of yesterday. And um, I poked around a little bit, and it's interesting, but it's still kind of new and very like a new mall that just opened with no stores, you know, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah. And, so and the thing is, of- I'm... I'm- I mean, it sounds like it does have a little bit of that Twitter vibe, but I wonder if it'll be able to pull that through and pull people in that way. John, we got to go. Thank you so much for all of this.
6: As always, it's always a lot of fun.
2: John Beeler joining us for our app update on Fridays. And if you're looking forward to live theater, stay tuned for our next conversation with Sylvie Fiquette. She's going to tell us where you can find some in the Vancouver area. We'll be right back. contest going on right now at AMI, your chance to win some great gifts and prizes and it's being run by our friends from Tripping On Air, the podcast, of course, they're getting into the holiday spirit, they're giving away, like I said, a lot of different prizes as part of the 2022 MS holiday gift guide. And the way that you can find out more information, apply for the contest, get all the good stuff is by going to ami.ca slash TOAContest. And this is where you can review the list of prizes and enter for your chance to win. The closing of the contest is December 1st, coming up in about a week, Um, December 1st at 1159 p.m. Eastern Time. Seven entries per day, and winners will be contacted via email and listed on the Tripping On Air Instagram page as well. So we're going to talk more about this on Monday with Greg David. He's got more of the scoop for us, but uh, don't wait till Monday to sign up. There's going to be lots of prizes to give away. I'm Ramiya Amadun here with Margaret Weldon, and you're listening to Kelly and Company.
4: All right, and now it's time for our regional content report, and today we're joined by Sylvie Fiquette from Vancouver, British Columbia And Sylvie, you know, a lot of people are looking for nights out this time of year, and I understand that there are a lot of terrific live theatre performances going on. Can you tell us about them?
5: Sure, Margaret. Um, The Hills are alive with this classic, The Sound of Music, a family favourite for the holidays. So Journey along with the spirited Maria, who takes a governess position with the Von Trapp family, Falling first for the children and then the widower, Captain Von Trapp himself, all against the stirring backdrop of pre-World War II Austria. There are two live described performances, Sunday, December 4th at 2 p.m. and Friday, December 9th at 8 p.m. at the Arts Club Stanley Theatre. And I'm going to give a glowing endorsement for this live performance of The Sound of Music. I I was kind of on the fence. My sister said, "Hey, do you want to go?" and I said, "Okay, why not?" And so we went opening night, and it was stunningly fantastic, really great. An entire, the, the whole cast was very talented. And, you know, you think of that movie version, uh, the film version of Sound of Music, how are they going to hold up to those musical numbers? And really, really great. The caliber was just, it felt like an off-Broadway
4: show. Very, very good did they have all the kids involved? Like, you know, cause sometimes you you go to performances, right. And they, they modify things, but did they have all the seven kids involved in this one, Sylvie?
5: All seven kids were involved wow. right through from, uh, I'm trying to think Kurt through Liesl right down to Greta. It was, uh, or Gretel, I guess. Yeah. And they were so good. It was amazing. The character that played, uh, maria about in her 30s i think her name's chelsea rose she's a metal band singer and she was incredible like the voice was like no tomorrow it was so good and the mother superior i think she outperformed the original with her climb every mountain it was really really good so i highly recommend it if people want to take this in they
4: should See, if you're like me, I like I love the sound of music. I know they used to put it on TV every year at Christmas time and they don't do that anymore too much, which makes me sad. But and like what was there any particular scene or, you know, something that maybe you liked the best out of this particular performance? I've got to say
5: that. Just the interaction of Maria with the kids was so true to the original. It was, the the set was beautiful. So they had the abbey with um, the incredible windows that look stained glass. And that same set, when they removed the windows, was kind of like a, a, this vast beyond sort of, you know, the mansion, the home of the Von Trapp family. You could look onto this beautiful sort of idyllic water scene. It was just, um, I loved it. I I can't say enough about this, Margaret. It's really, it was well done. Well, um, the producer or the director really uh, instilled in this cast to just deliver and step up. Every performance was great.
4: Maybe I'll have to get on a plane and come and see it myself. Definitely. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, were were there any other um, plays that you wanted to cover quickly? Yeah, quickly, I'll go
5: through um, coming up a notable... This is notable for Vocal Eye members. There'll be a described show titled In My Day, covering true stories from the HIV pandemic in Vancouver, um, written by vocalized Rick Waynes. So Rick uh, is a describer for VocalEye, and he'll be describing his play on Sunday, December 11th at 2 p.m. at the Kulch Historic Theatre. And then you might want to check out East Van Panto's The Little Mermaid in a very unconventional and hilarious style, described Sunday, December 18th at 2 p.m., followed by a touch tour, and that's at the York Theatre. And then after Christmas, Anne of Green Gables, the musical is based on L.M. Montgomery's classic tale of the red-headed, freckle-faced orphan and her adventures in Avonlea, Prince Edward Island, and that's described on Friday, December 30th at 7.30 p.m. at the Gateway Theatre in
4: Richmond wow there there sounds like a lot so where can people go to to find out um you know how they can can sign up or to purchase tickets or whatever
5: For sure. So, all described performances will be at different venues. So, you'll want to visit um, and book your tickets at vocali.ca forward slash shows forward slash live in person. And you want to get on that quick so that you can um, actually book your headsets for the described performances and get some of those extra perks. Like, for instance, the Gateway is offering a free companion rate for Vocali users. And so, do check them out at Vocali.ca.
2: Okay. Thank you so much for all that, Sylvie. I'm really um, glad to hear that there's lots going on for accessible and described theatre out there, which Vocali makes sure that there always is. So amazing. Now, let's talk about Smithers Special, special Olympian. Uh, they were chosen to represent Canada with a special project. So fill us in about the project and who's involved.
5: Yes. So Torben Schufert, he's from Smithers, BC. He's one of the four athlete leaders across Canada. There's four who will present projects of their own creation at the World Athlete Congress in Berlin, Germany next summer during the Special Olympic Summer World Games. So the project is Shine Together and schufert has is saying that it comprises of two components the first involves a collection of musicians that performs a song about living with intellectual developmental disabilities the second component will be an art gr- uh, an art group and that will they'll create paintings about their sports and interests from the IDD community. And Shuford mm-hmm. has recruited a music teacher and art teacher to lead and mentor upcoming workshops in January. And also the Smithers Art Gallery is supporting the project and all art su- supplies will be provided for this.
2: This is sounding really incredible. I'm loving the cross promotion the cross understanding of you know arts and sport and music and all of these different things because um they connect with people right like you could connect through sports you can connect through art you can connect through music and speech and whatever else uh, may be but all of this is being dumped (laughs) that's not a nice way of saying it but you know collaboratively brought into a, a really beautiful project
5: yeah, it's pretty huge, uh yeah. Ramya. I was I went, I, I did a bit of a deep dive on there um to to understand a little bit more about the World Athlete Congress and who these athlete leaders are. And so mm-hmm. athlete spokespersons from around the world, they sit down and exchange ideas and develop new leadership skills with the goal to return to their home country empowered to advocate for greater inclusion in society, in their programs and in their cities. So it's a really quite an undertaking of, you know, going beyond athletics and doing a great deal of inclusion through arts and culture, um, recreation mm-hmm. and leisure and imp- employment and empowering uh, these these spokes, individuals to really encourage um, inclusion.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the ambassadorship, right, of um, how, what it means to be involved in something like this and how you can take that back into your own communities. Anything else about uh, what they wanted to do, like the exhibit before the uh, World Athlete Congress?
5: Yeah, so Shuford, um really doesn't want anyone to miss out on the Shine Together project, saying participants can be involved with their art compositions or music component either by playing a part on an instrument or helping to compose the lyrics to the song. The group is planning to meet um, again this month and in December in preparation. They're going to be having an upcoming exhibit uh, in February in Smithers, and Shuford is hoping that more more individuals and mentors will come out and volunteer and assist athletes with, um, you know, one-on-one workshops and help out at meetings. So it, it's it's going to be quite a big thing, not only on a global stage, but within the community there.
2: Yeah, no, there's going to be tons happening, Sylvie. Thank you so much for covering this one that people can look forward to and keep tabs on, uh, as well as all the vocalized stuff from earlier. Really, really great.
5: My pleasure. Really great talking with you and Margaret today, Ramya. Have a fantastic weekend.
2: You too. That was Sylvie Fiquette, our content development specialist, joining us. And we check in with them on Wednesdays and Fridays on the show. In the next hour of Kelly and Company, we're talking about Kobo Reader and Kobo Plus If you have no idea what this is, don't worry about it. Ryan Huey is going to tell us more on the chatty bookshelf because it's all available in Canada now. Conversations and recaps from the week. We're going to do all that on Cut for Time later on. But after the break, we have the Friday buzz, not with Bill Shackleton today, but with Margaret Weldon. We'll be right back. The sixth International Day of Persons with Disabilities conference is coming up on December 3rd of this year and AEBC, the Alliance for Equity of Blind Canadians, is presenting that with some partners of course and they're saying empowering ourselves, thriving in this new reality is the theme. 1pm to 4pm on December 3rd Eastern Time. You can check out this uh, Zoom meeting, get directly on that Zoom meeting, or check out the broadcast by listening to AMI-audio the day of. The goal for this year's conference is to share messages to motivate, empower, and thrive. Um, The virtual conference is accessible to all, and it's going to feature some ASL interpreters, real-time live captioning, and everything else that need Michael Gotten Uh, is the, uh, sorry, Michael Gottel, the Accessibility Commissioner, is going to be one of their guest speakers, one among several. And like I said, AMI is broadcasting live with co-host Joita Gupta. And that's at 1 p.m. Eastern time on December 3rd. Registration is free and it's online at Eventbrite. uh, But you can also register uh, by emailing them. I can't find the email. Oh, there you go. A-E-B-C-T Toronto at gmail.com. A-E-B-C Toronto at gmail.com. All right. I'm Ramia Umadhan here with Margaret Weldon, and it's time for us to get into the buzz. And on days like Fridays for the next little while, when Bill Shackleton isn't joining us, we are going to get the buzz with Margaret. And Margaret, you've picked out some quality conversation pieces for us, right? well i i try exactly (laughs) don't nervous they are (laughs) yeah bill bill Bill
4: is a pretty hard act to follow you know right yeah well he's more seasoned than this but yes but i but i think i think these are these will fit your friday bill pretty good good and i think that
2: actually he took off fridays to avoid having to fill the friday rules and regulations you know only bring us fun topics billy he's not about that so, no, he likes maybe to bring the why.
4: evil. Well, you know what it is with him? He, he, he <laughs> likes right. to bring the evil and, and the, and, the you know, controversial.
2: The, yeah,
4: yeah, the fights. You know, yeah, that's right. But that's because like that's he's a he's a very nice person. Don't get us wrong. But that's just what he likes to do. And then he kind of laughs on it. And sure, says, I got yeah, them
2: again. yeah, roll us up. It's one of his yeah. favorite things. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what did okay. you bring for us anyway?
4: All right, then. So today we're going to start off with um, an employee, an employment initiative that was uh, launched not too long ago by the Canadians with Down Syndrome Society, and it's simply called Employable. Now, Jessica Ritalo, who is one of the program's participants, works at a centre called the uh, called Centennial Infant and Child Care Center. And this center basically looks after provides daycare services for kids with uh, different disabilities and special needs and that. And of course she has one too. Now, Ratalo says that when she originally got this job, uh, she was working for three days a week and still is. And she believed that it was a volunteer position until her boss asked her for her banking information. And then she happily discovered oh. that no this is going to be a paid position. And when the reporter asked her, well, what, what are your qualifications? And I like this. She says, well, I'm smart. I'm resourceful. I'm on time. And I love my job. I, I love it. And I'm on time. And her employer who has hired her and she apparently this uh, center has hired more individuals with uh, Dunn syndrome says that they, they really do. If anything, they come in early they do the task they're assigned very, very well, and they stay till the very end, like even if it means staying late. Um, She said they very rarely call in sick, and there's a low absenteeism record. Now, a spokesperson for the initiative itself says that um, a a program like this just basically proves that people with Down syndrome or any disability really can be a contributing member of a team. They can contribute as much or more if if they put their minds to it. And this aim helps to, um, you know, get employers thinking about hiring people with Down syndrome and possibly other disabilities as well. And, uh, you know, just to think about, gee, they, they really can do the job, they really can help us and they really are resourceful and safe. So to me, I thought this was a very, very, very good initiative. Because even though people like yeah. me have found it have found, you know, part time work, and you found work around me, as we both know, it's a challenge for people, isn't it? Like people with disabilities.
2: Of course. It's honestly, there. the conversation that we will have about convincing people that you can do something, that you can offer your skills, your expertise, your passion um, to a cause is something that we'll have for a very long time. And there are so many people fighting this fight. Um, to try to, you know, level the playing field in, on whatever it is, right? Whether it be work or volunteerism or, uh, you know, just being part of a team, as you mentioned, like all kinds of things, Margaret. And people with disabilities have been talking about this for forever. And people of uh, other kinds of marginalized communities have also talked about this.
4: That's right. That's right. And it's nice to see when an initiative like this can come forward, And it's nice, you know, for people to be able to say, oh, my, isn't isn't this great? You know, well, maybe we'll give it a thought. And and uh, so lots of luck to uh, to that group of people. Now, I wanted to move on here to now, as you know, yesterday was the American Thanksgiving. So usually the tradition is in the States um, is to. You know, have the American Thanksgiving dinner. We'll watch the Macy Parade in the morning and I guess have the dinner and get right out and line up at stores before the Black Friday sales take place, right? So there's even lots of people who will sleep overnight at these stores, no matter how, you know, whether it's in their cars, on the ground, or whatever. But Joe Biden, who is the president of the state, of the United States, continued with a very unique 75 year old tradition, and that was to pardon a pair of turkeys. So in other words, when oh. these turkeys got pardoned, it means that they can't, that they cannot be served on any Thanksgiving or Christmas or any other type of <laughs> dinner table. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of wondered. And when he, uh, w- there were a lot of people who gathered on uh, the, the south lawn of the White House and unseasonably cold weather. And uh, Joe said, well, I'm, I'm pardoning these turkeys and but I, you know, well, I'm, you know, receiving the news that, uh, our, our party has gotten better performance rates than expected in the, in the preliminary votes. You know, this is the time when they Mm -hmm. vote for the people, you know, for the senators and that kind of thing. And, um, he, the, the two birds were named after his favorite ice cream, which is chocolate chip ice cream. So he says, Mm -hmm. you know, I should have named these birds maybe after a science project that I uh, signed and, and put into law. So, you know, Now, here's the funny part. These birds were driven from uh, North Carolina to uh, the Willard Hotel, where they were given a reserved room so that they could wait and get prepared for the president's visit, you know, to go and visit the president. And now they will be taken back there, back home to North Carolina, where they will um, be a part of an agricultural study that is offered there for school children. And they will also have the opportunity to go and visit other states as well. Now, what do you think of
2: that? Wow. No, this is super cute. I actually really love this. Um, aside from how funny it is and how they've really played it all the way through, I think it's just such a nice reason, right? Like the, the way that the, the turkeys are going to go, not on our dinner tables, um, is, <laughs> is, is a nice way of living the rest of their life.
4: sure. Sure.
2: Makes yeah. you what's wrong
4: with this picture, right? Eh? <laughs> where, where is it for us? Yeah.
2: I know. Yeah. Where Turkey's yeah. at? Uh, but so agricultural education programs, right? In North yes. Carolina, that's where they're going to go be part of. Okay. Well, that's
4: where they're going to be part of. And then I assume there's probably similar programs, maybe in other states, or they'll be going to, you know, museums in other states. So they, they will get, you know, to meet lots of kids and lots of people. And I, I gather they'll get lots of food and lots of love. Huh. I,
2: yeah. It's like a roundabout, a roundabout way of getting to know the meat on our table if you will <laughs> you know what I mean like <laughs> yeah, this maybe. you know back in the day when you're a kid and I, my mom tells me stories like this where they had they were raising hens they were raising chickens and if they got too friendly with the chickens they did not want to eat them like you can't just put them on the table for dinner and she said yes we knew about farm animals we knew where they were all going but if you got Super close to your pet chicken, uh, it wasn't or rooster, it wasn't going to end up on the table for dinner, right? Like, you'd have to trade it out to, I don't know, a nearby neighbor's house or something like that. Um, but you, so what we're doing with chocolate and chip here sounds like a sneaky way of doing that, maybe. Sure. I, I like it, <laughs> yeah, I like it,
4: yeah, that's right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, why not? Okay, why not? all right, this uh, last story I'll just do quickly, it comes from Nova Scotia. A 71-year-old man, Glenn Lefebvre, wanted to play a game of pickup hockey. He had always been involved in hockey and had to stop in his early adulthood. And he says that uh, he he and his wife raised three boys and fostered 10 boys, and they were all playing hockey at different times. And now he wanted to get back into the game, and he didn't have any connections, so he put out a post offering his on-ice service. Now, one gentleman, Ron Bulmer, uh, read the post and offered a chance for Glenn to come and play on their Friday noon hour hockey. And this is a recreational hockey team, I guess, for gentlemen. And Ron says the one thing that he likes is the fact that while they're in the dressing room getting ready, they talk about what's going on in their lives, that their families, whatever. And that's great. Uh, Glenn LeFaber says that he is going to be busy for the next little while because he'd like to play at least two or three games of hockey a week because like any other, like trying to do any other exercise once a week just simply isn't enough. And uh, apparently mm-hmm. they had pictures of him grinning and all kinds of things on various uh, reports. So, and uh, he used a, a social platform to do that. I I don't know which platform he used. It might have been Twitter, I think, but not positive either. So, okay. And that's your buzz for the day.
2: That's lovely. Well, I'm loving that last one too, because we get um, to celebrate how people get back into sports and how the community building continues, but what he mentions around the conversation around sports, you know, like the, what's going on in your day, chatting a little bit on that uh, side of it. That's nice. I love that. Awesome. Margaret, thank you so much. Sure. We're going to take a break on Kelly and Company and be back with The Chatty Bookshelf, another Friday staple here on Kelly and Company, talking about Kobo Reader and Kobo Plus. We're going to get educated just now. We'll be right back. I don't have too too much information about this yet but via rail has some fully accessible fleet of trains coming out brand spanking new fleet of fully accessible trains um as i said i don't have too much information at the moment but this is the buzz it's the buzz after the buzz right margaret um but anyways i'm curious about this and i wonder if the whole thing is going to be accessible or if there's just going to be accessible trains available but hey we'll keep posted and we'll keep you posted as well this is kelly and company on a friday afternoon i'm ramia um here with margaret weldon
4: and as we do every friday at this time we talk all things audiobooks on the chatty bookshelf with ryan Huey. hi ryan how are you this afternoon
0: Hey guys, thanks for having me. It's one of my favorite days of the year, so how could I not be super excited and super happy?
4: That's right, that's right. So where would you like to start today though? It's one, of your fav- it's one of your favorites. Where would you like to start?
0: Of course, so yesterday was a day filled with football and today is a day filled with shopping. It is Black Friday and obviously you can find deals on anything online right now, but we're gonna concentrate on audiobooks and eBooks and there's way too many sales for me to kind of go through all of them but if you're a member of audible uh, audiobooks.com apple books anything like that there are tons of sales so please check them out because there is a ton that i've already bought today plus the authors the publishers and some of the narrators are getting into the action and feeling this giving spirit because they're giving away some really cool Mm. stuff on all socials Um, hate it or love it twitter is uh still the main one and it looks like there's tons of uh giveaways going on on there. So please do uh, check it out because don't miss out on some of these freebies and some of these great sales because uh, I've already bought five books on Audible today.
2: How? Okay, first wow! I, I was wondering if you were going to give us the number. Thank you. Five books so far. There's still many hours left in the day. So you got lots more buying to do. But how are they doing the giveaways, right? Like, are you seeing them in um, forms of contests or like liking and following people? Or how are the giveaways working out? As far as you've seen on social,
0: there's a ton actually. There's the okay, like and follow, and you're automatically entered. Uh, there was okay. a couple of our American friends that said, "Hey, take a picture of your dinner," um, and you know, the one we think is best, we'll get a we'll get a free uh, code for Audible. And I thought that was a cool contest because uh, you know what? I thought, what about our friends that aren't in in the USA? Like, what about the people that aren't having Thanksgiving dinner? So, should I send a picture of my salad or my? chicken finger you know what i mean so i I thought it would be really funny i think that i think that would have won that would have been a pretty good joke right so there's a lot of a lot of like that and then uh there's some that it's like respond with your favorite Uh, a lot of them were like uh how what am i looking for here the word series sorry series i don't know why that wouldn't come into me so it was like the third book in the series and they're like hey what's your favorite quote or what's your favorite scene from books one or two and uh they were kind of looking for some things like that, too. So there's all kinds of stuff going on, uh, as there always is on social media. But if you guys are looking for freebies, this is the weekend to do it, for sure. A lot of the contests do close on Monday, so uh, everything will be announced then.
2: Okay. Very exciting stuff. I mean, it's the absolute dream for anybody who's just super into audiobooks, ebooks, reading in general, because if you're not going to the library, this is like the second best thing. Get all your stuff.
0: Well, and you know what? Like I said I bought five books off Audible today. I don't think I spent more than $30. Like that's wild to oh, me when good. one book could right when one book could cost $30. So there there are some really good deals out there uh right now for sure. Uh so mm. please do take advantage of it.
4: Perfect. What about the Kobo app, Ryan? How does that look these days? What's happening there?
0: This is really interesting to me. So, uh, there's no shortage in the audiobook market of new retailers popping up, and we have our big boys, you know, the uh, audiobooks.com, the Audibles, you know, things like that. But Kobo is a very, very popular ebook reader. Uh, and what they've done as of last year is they've created an app and sort of a retail store called Kobo Plus. Um, it's the the plus side, not the word plus. So if you are looking for it, that's how you kind of have to search for it. But what is interesting is that when they released it last year, it was only to very select countries, the US being one of them, and then a few others in, in Europe. And that was it. They wanted to kind of do the test market there. And it was eBooks only, but their library of eBooks is rather expensive. We're talking hundreds of thousands of, of eBooks. But what's cool about it is... Just as of last week, they've come to Canada. And guess what? In Canada, they added 110,000 audiobooks to the mix to their library. So now they're kind of branching out as one of the bigger retailers, uh, which is very interesting to me. So if you think Audible hasn't noticed, they've definitely noticed because even before Black Friday, there was a ton of sales on. So uh, <laughs> they're trying to, yeah, right. It's always that competition. So I, I, I really like this for a couple of reasons. One, we got Kobo. Which you know the Kobo Plus store, so you can go there if you if you want to explore that. But also, if you're an Audible member, they're kind of like, hey, stick with us because we got all these sales. So it's really really curious how these things kind of shake out about in the business world of it, but also for the audiobook consumer, right? It, it, it's, it's a win win.
2: So tell me, right, a um, hundred thousand plus audiobooks added. Right? Like, th- this is just the addition uh, on top of all the ebooks that were available. Is this a big amount compared to Audible?
0: So, in terms, yeah, this is pretty huge. So, Audible has give or take about 600,000 audiobooks. So, 100,000 doesn't sound like a lot, but for the other retailers out there, 100,000 is like right there. It's, it's right consistent with a lot of the other ones. So, They're looking at really getting in there with the audiobooks.com and and the other retailers out there, right? Where you can, competitively speaking, have the same amount of books in your library, right? The thing that's interesting to me is that it's a little bit cheaper than Audible. It comes in at $13 a month, so it's a subscribe and get, I I don't know what they're calling it, but a credit uh, each month to, to purchase an audiobook. But since it is cheaper, you are getting less content. So Audible, obviously there's no matching it, right? But there's they have all that free stuff that you get or that additional content, all those freebies you get when you pay your subscription fee, whereas Kobo doesn't have this. So it's kind of pick your poison right at this rate. It's either you want this and you're going to pay a little bit extra for it, or you're going to go bare bones. And I shouldn't even say bare bones because 110,000 audiobooks is not bare bones. Uh, and that's only going to continue to grow. So I think that uh, that's kind of your choices when it comes to this, but I've already checked it out and it's, it's, it's really an interesting app to me. It's really a, uh, it's it piqued my interest for sure
4: how, how does the app look ryan just uh, in in terms of accessibility and that you're saying it's interesting but um it was there something in particular that you liked about it
0: yeah i loved how you can purchase books right from the app and then i loved how i don't want to say plain jane because it didn't appear to be plain jane but all of the controls all of the everything was right kind of very linear and very accessible so you could use your swipe gestures on an ipad or an iphone and you could just go left to right and you'd go down and be like play pause skip forward 30 seconds um skip backwards 30 seconds uh enter a bookmark here there was a ton of different features that you can use a lot of them are pretty consistent with the other ones your audiobooks.com your audible app but th- it was just really interesting because not a lot of places start at where you can purchase the, the book directly from the app you have to go to the website, purchase it, and then it shows up in your app. I thought this was a cool kind of feature to start right from this, uh, right from the get go, making it simple, uh, and that's what people want, right? So you just uh, connect up your your account, you create one with an email, and then you go in and uh, you can really just start purchasing right right away. Uh, and I, I really, uh, I'm, I'm excited to try the app because it looks like that uh, they've kind of, I don't want to say thought about everything, but thought about everything in terms of really just. Getting the app going, getting it started and making it easy for people, whether you're visually impaired or not, to listen to the books mm-hmm. that you want to.
2: I mean, going back to like the the simplicity of the app layout and the, the function of the app, I think it's nice to talk about bells and whistles and talk about what you can and can't do and all the different things that are available for uh, for app and customization and such. But yeah, truly, if you're talking about drawing people in, especially at the very beginning, it's not necessarily what you're looking for, right? Like you're looking for what this app is offering, which is how do I get on there fast? You, you know, some of the ways that I've started to use uh, different platforms that I'm unfamiliar with is by simply having to do so. Right. So like the other day I bought a a book on Kindle and before this, I'd never used Kindle, at least on my current iPhone, and then had to get on it because the book I wanted was only available on Kindle. So if it was a big fuss, then forget it. Right. I wouldn't have even gotten on the experience, but it was actually so easy just getting on, getting the book and boom, you're opening up the player right, right away. And that was uh, after I finished, I was thinking, oh, man. If this experience was any more difficult, I probably wouldn't have gone through with it. So that's what I'm trying to say with the simplicity of this app.
0: And that's kind of one of the benefits of coming late to the party, right? You've seen some of the struggles and some of the things that Audible's done and Audiobooks.com yeah. and some of the other places. And you can take from that and say, nope, we're not going to do it. We're going to stick to Simple. And to me, with an app, Simple is more. Uh, being a voiceover and a screen reader user, uh, Simple is much more more. Uh, it's it's just more accessible. There's just more there. If I can do more that way, then I would have to going through ads, going through this function, that function and all these functions. Like you said, it might deter me from using the app, whether or not mm-hmm. I have 50 free books or or anything in the library. So definitely, and sometimes doing it's so it right.
2: in your face. Like do we recommend this, and based on your last listen, and all of these things, which is fantastic if you're an audiobook head, right? But if you're just coming into it, it's it can be very overwhelming. You're not even sure if you've committed to this yet, and they're already throwing all the the promotional value at you. So um, definitely. And speaking of that promotional value, you mentioned it's less than audible. What'd you say, thirteen bucks?
0: Yes, thirteen bucks a month. Yeah.
2: Okay, thirteen bucks, but. It, give or take you're paying that 13 bucks for just what you you get you're not getting everything that we keep comparing back to audible but that's because it's the the big competitor uh that audible offers you which is all this other internal content
0: no and you're right right you're gonna have to choose one or the other and or if you're like me kind of do both but the thing i loved most about this getting back to the promotions and everything when i downloaded the app onto onto my iPod, it did not ask me if it wanted to send me notifications. And right away, that was a win for me because you get nice. notifications about everything. Hey, this book's out. Hey, there's this sale. Hey, you haven't read today. Maybe you should go and read. Like, you know, the Apple Watch, I had to turn them all off because, you know, working from home, you sit a lot and it's like, I think you should get up and move, It's you know, quit being so bossy, Apple Watch. So uh, I think that that's a really big win <laughs> in my book too, right? It's, a, you know, you're not going to send me stuff. I'm going to have to be forced to go and look on it. And I'll use it when I feel it's appropriate, not, hey, look, it's time to use the app kind of thing.
4: Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So you said today you spent about $30 on, uh, you know, with with shopping. So how many books did that get you? And how many books, like, have you read so far this year?
0: This year, I'm at 72 audiobooks. Uh, I'll start with that uh, because I'm quite proud of that. It is my highest total uh, so far. Uh, And I don't see it slowing down, even though it's football season. And right now, the thirty dollars today got me about five audiobooks. So there I shouldn't say about you can't buy half a book. So it was five audiobooks, but there's a few on my radar. I'm just hemming and hawing about the sale price because there's almost a couple tiers. So there's your books for two ninety nine. there's your books for five ninety nine and I think it's eight ninety nine right now on Audible. And uh, they're kind of sucking you in because the you know the first book of the series is two ninety nine and then the second one is, 899 so they're doing things right they're they're in it to win uh to win it and to make money right so uh that's what they're doing but uh they get me every time with the gimmicks i'm a big gimmicks guy
4: i think Mm -hmm. most people are i think that's why they use them right like like this is sort of what they count on you know okay well we'll give you the first one cheap but then we know you're going to want to find out what's happened to this that the next character (laughs) kind of thing right so
0: absolutely they suck your rate in and uh you know what there's uh, some great series out there and some there's some new ones coming out and a lot of people released their books this past tuesday tuesday is the big book release day and they've done it so that they're you know top of the list they're the new release they're um, looking to get on that new york bestsellers list and now's the time to do it because people are going to be doing the black friday sales and and those sales are getting driven up so uh, definitely some studies and definitely some research has went into this
4: That's right. Okay, Ryan, that's all the time we've got for today. Thanks so much for joining us and happy reading.
0: Have a great weekend, guys. Talk to you soon.
4: Thanks. That was Ryan Hui uh, from the Chatty Bookshelf, and he does that segment at this time every other, or sorry, every Friday.
2: Yes, we got to get our audiobook chat in every Friday because, or else, what are we supposed to do all weekend without any audiobook recommendations or new platforms to try out or New competition to keep in mind. Kelly <laughs> not watch the sports. Yeah, well, <laughs> Kelly's not here, is he? That's right. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, it's yeah. fine. We're, we're not going to dictate people's weekends yet. No. <laughs> Let's weigh in on some conversations that we've taken part in in the last week. We call this cut for time, and that's after the break here on Kelly and Company. This is Kelly and Company on a Friday afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Myself, Ramia Umavin, and Margaret Weldon. We've been co hosting today and yesterday together. And of course, along with yesterday and today, we've had lots of fantastic conversations Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all through the week. And so we like to dedicate the last little bit of our show to what we call Cut for Time. And this is where we reflect on some of these conversations, weigh in on them. Maybe we were completely cut off because we only had a couple minutes uh, to wrap or something and we didn't get to squeeze in that last little bit we wanted to say. And voila, here comes the opportunity to talk about it. So, Margaret, we'll start with you. Oh, we also have Grant joining us on this show right now for Cut for Time. So, Grant, thank you for joining us as well. But, Margaret, we're going to start with you because you want to highlight something from very early on in the week.
4: That's right. So on Monday, you guys normally have the highlights, the AMI highlights segment, which is the fourth segment in the first hour. And for this particular segment, Kelly and Ramya were talking with Joita Gupta. And Kelly asked a question about what it's like for Joita to do producing. Being a producer really allows
7: you to hone a number of other skills that can really help you as a host. For one thing, you're doing your own research. So you hopefully come to your conversation better prepared, more immersed in the topic and able to ask interesting questions because you're not just being handed a script or handed a background or you're actually able to go deep into the issue and spend a week or so thinking about it before you actually go ahead and have a conversation with the guest. I think one of the things that you do as a producer is you get to know yourself as a person. So I think... Um, before I started to produce The Pulse, I would not have been as aware of my limitations as a person. I hadn't actually given as much thought to where it is that I find my interests line up with the show and where it is that I actually have to work to make sure that we're covering content that might be of interest to other people, even if my inclination isn't to go there. So you become very Mm -hmm. self-aware as a person. And I feel that that's not a bad thing to know more about yourself in the endeavour.
4: I can really relate to what Joita is saying there. Um, I, When I do my In the Know segment, I myself produce that segment. And I often find that I, I sit down and when I come up with a topic, I try to think, okay, is it going to be something that you know I'm just interested in or are other people interested in? Or what would they like to know? Or how do we present that information so that, number one, people can uh, understand what's being presented you know, or does the information help somebody or, you know, what, what am I going to gain from it? And I find like Joita, I've learned a lot about myself. I've learned a lot about, you know, different people and things go on in the world. And I look at my segments as babies, you know, when I, when I put one out there, it's almost like my baby. And that's kind of a funny way to put it. Um, So I just wanted to wish hats off to people who have to, you know, produce segments every week, every day, or even produce shows as well as host them, because it takes quite a lot of time, love and energy to do it. And I don't know, I, you know, I, I marvel at you because for me, I just produce a segment every other week and I know what I go through. So that's all I'd like (laughs) to say about that.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, if I can take it from here for a second, Grant, before passing it to you, the the conversation about like the more hand you have in helping put something together, the more you feel, uh, you know, involved in it. And then when we have these conversations on the show, like presenting on the show with the the people that we've, Um, involved ourselves with it feels very much more organic right so sometimes these can come in forms of just doing like pre-interviews with somebody right like Kelly handles our voices segments and he um, often talks to people (laughs) before bringing them on the show and talking to them live here so he gets to know them a bit and uh, decides with them what they want to cover and these segments are very personal to the people who come on for voices because they're talking literally about their passions, um, what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, what they want to talk about because they're really, uh, you know, they find it to be very important issues or challenges, whatever it may be. And so having these pre-conversations before bringing those 15 minutes and to the, the airwaves, Uh, is really important. And I think the same thing about working with our contributors. You know, I I, talking to our contributors, brainstorming, going through creative processes and encouraging people or um, just having offline conversations with people and saying, "Um, I love this, I don't love this, I don't feel comfortable about this or I'm super excited for this. It makes that difference in the energy that comes on air with our contributors. Grant, any thoughts on this?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. And I, I completely agree with what you guys are saying and what you said, Margaret about, you know, you're, you're saying that it's kind of being your, your, your baby or your pet. It's something that you sort of put out there into the world. And what's interesting is listen, I, I've said this on the show before. I never thought I would be Mr. Health and lifestyle and what in the world Guy because when I started at AMI, uh, tech was my thing. And I always just assumed, uh, you know, what I want to do, what I'm going to be best at is tech stuff. And we're going to, you know, keep going there. And I think it's interesting when, you know, certain doors close, certain doors open. Now I have some incredible opportunities to present some quirky stories, some heavier stories from around the world. And I'm actually finding that I'm really fascinated by the information that I'm able to share, Uh, but it also is the same when you're doing, you know, an interview about, uh, you know, sports or something that you might not be quite as passionate about. It's all about finding that aspect that you're interested in and passionate about. So you can bring that to the story.
3: Um,
1: So midweek, we spoke to Dan Kershaw with, furniture bank this is my selection and he has uh, they have a really interesting campaign that actually uses artificial intelligence for their fundraising goal to enable clients to tell their own stories in a more comfortable dignified way for charities nobody likes to fund you know nobody likes to give their gift to pay for for marketing so we're really excited that the you know for us the return on investment of using this AI technology to take the stories of the people that we've impacted and to actually show uh, a reality um, you know that's the campaign's name you know this picture isn't real but the reality is yes so we're very excited in that we can let our own clients describe the reality that they are dealing with if they don't get the support of a furniture bank And we'll be able to provide donors. There's so much that's amazing about this to me. I mean, you know, furniture poverty is is honestly just something that I think a lot of people, including myself, are are not not familiar with. We assume the big thing is housing. You got to get people into stable housing, and if your house poor, well, that means you have too expensive of a a place, whatever. But in reality, you know, people are really struggling these days to make ends meet. And these horrible stories, you know, kids doing their homework on the floor, you know, people sleeping in beds with clothing instead of sheets, these are are not uncommon. But what I find really interesting is that the sighted world really needs those visuals to illustrate trauma, even if you're hearing about, you know, whether it's climate catastrophe or, you know, starving like hungry children, maybe in other countries, people are like, Oh, I really need to see that though. I need to see what those people are going through. And it's interesting because it's empowering in a sense, but it's also exploitative. And what I really like about what furniture bank is doing here is they're actually using artificial intelligence To basically, they enter a description of what image they want, and it generates that image so that they don't actually have to exploit a person, but they still have those powerful visuals. And just on a a lighter note, Margaret, I, I don't know what you think, but, man, if we could do that in reverse, where we could take an image, and this is kind of coming down the pipes, but take an image and get a great description of that image that could also help the blind community too. So artificial intelligence is just amazing.
4: I think you're very right there, Grant, to, to be honest. I mean, I, I like what this company is doing. You're right. Um, for, you know, whatever reason, the, the sighted people do seem to need all these descriptions. But I'm like you. I, I would like them to, I would like it at some point if somebody could take an image like that and, you know, pr- provide some super description and whatever. And I think it's coming. It'll be here soon. And uh, great, great choice.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, uh,
1: thanks. Go, go ahead, ahead Grant. no, yeah. I was just going to pass it off to you there.
2: Oh, okay. Well, I was just going to say that <laughs> the, the, the idea of painting a picture, I think that, oh, man, I don't really know how to express this, but you know, we talk about inspiration porn all the time, right. For of people with disabilities and it, it just, I detest it so much. the, sad music the the horrible wording and the the sad bad vibes that you're just putting out when you when you talk about disability in that way and just for the exploitation right just for the let's get the the charitable movement kind of thing going and although people can have incredible intentions and incredible motivation to want to support the communities that they're supporting, I think that the the tactics can be extremely off-putting and that's putting it nicely, mm. right? So with something like this, I think there can be this, the same conversations can be had, you know, the same importance can be expressed, but you're not necessarily doing it by making someone feel terrible about the situation that they're in and I think that's why it's really powerful um, to talk about AI art in this way because as I said in the the segment um, we talk about AI art in all kinds of ways but talking about it in this way is very particular to that that conversation in that situation
4: yeah I think you're very so right there
2: Yeah, so let's talk about another convo we had yesterday, and this was with Krishna Washburn, um, instructor at Dark Room Ballet, and she told us about her dance program that's designed with full description and systems for blind balance and alignment.
3: Dark Room Ballet is an approach to studying dance that is designed specifically for the blind and visually impaired students educational needs that means it is designed with like complete description and it fully decenters sight a lot of it comes from my own work as a blind dancer and blind performer but also it comes a lot from blind dance traditions that have only really been passed down orally from teacher to student you will basically have learned over the course of those eight weeks all of the fundamental logical movement concepts that makes ballet work as a system of movement. You will have learned how to understand our internal balance point, which is not the same as a sighted person, and Mm -hmm. also learn how to use taped floor technique effectively have initiated that process. The taped floor is our replacement for the mirror, and that's the traditional way for blind dancers to study. That is our mirror, basically. It's what we use instead in order to keep track of orientation and alignment.
2: Uh, There were many moments like this that we had during our conversation with Krishna that was just absolutely you know, pretty much the first time ever I've ever heard something described this way when it comes to physical movement, um, physical activity. You know, understanding the way that our bodies could respond to to something like dance. And the thing is, in if you have a disability, chances are a physical disability. Chances are you've maybe avoided physical, recreational activities, dance, you know, movement, that kind of thing. Uh, Maybe you've been convinced not to take part in. Maybe it was simple as, oh, we'll just exempt you from it. And you've never really had the choice to understand and love movement. And then we have the other side, right, where we talk adapted sports, um, adaptive activities, accessible sport, accessible dance classes, and those words are used a lot where we're not just implying, we're saying that there is alternate ways to do something physical, something visual. And we say the words uh, adaptation, but, What was fascinating about this conversation yesterday was not really like none of those words were used and none of the typical implications that if you're blind or if you have a physical disability, these options are not available to you. None of that was used. And I thought that was very empowering because you come from maybe something like my experience where I'm just starting to understand the joy of sport working out, you know, movement based uh, activities like dance. And I'm just starting to think like, wow, I've gone, you know, 20 plus years not even realizing that I love this stuff, that I could love this stuff because it was just never an option for me. And now um, something uh, like Krishna's class where you're invited to think of ballet differently altogether. It's not even just a uh, uh, There aren't just visual ways to do something. There are completely different ways of even conceptualizing dance. And that's built in from the core uh, for people who don't process visually. Grant, anything to add to that?
1: Yeah, she's pretty fearless. She is definitely a very good advocate for the community. I think there is there's one approach where, as you say, it's kind of like, okay, how can we sort of adapt this existing approach so that it's slightly Mm -hmm. more accessible. And her approach is kind of like, let's just rip everything up all those assumptions and build (laughs) something new from, from scratch in a good way, in a good way. Yeah. Let's tear, tear, tear down all the assumptions, build, build up from a new beginning. And that's, that's great because, You know, I can't describe what it was like to be in, you know, grade eight, you know, social dance in PE and sit out of it. It's really just appalling because it's such a a nice way to get to know the students and be close to the students. And it's something that we can do. It just takes the appropriate guidance and accessibility.
2: Mm -hmm. For sure. And we all have stories like that where we, we... Didn't feel comfortable. Didn't feel confident. Nobody maybe um, advocated on behalf of us to get that stuff done. And then, boom, that opportunity's taken away, and it's left a big, big scar. Grant, Margaret, thank you so much for cut for time. This was great, great reflection. I think thank there was something guys. about
4: Have her a wonderful voice. Weekend. Yep.
2: Thank you. I think there was something about
4: her voice too that just grabbed your ears,
2: right? Just Mm -hmm. your voice in general. Absolutely. Taking a break now. We'll be back to wrap up the show and find out what you can listen to over the weekend on AMI-audio. Wrapping up the show here just about, at least, here on Kelly and Company. And we know that it means after the show, you're pretty much on your way to kicking off your weekend. So exciting times as always. We had very intriguing conversations on the show today. So we want to highlight some of that for you. So you can go and check it out on your favorite podcast platform on your own time. I uh, believe I mentioned this yesterday, but on our full show podcast, we have our vanity cards and we've added some additional team members to who gets some uh, part to be part of the rotation. And Grant Hardy has our vanity card today. So excited to hear that. So, Margaret, let's talk about some highlights from the show. Where do we want to start for sending people on to the podcast?
4: I am really jealous of the people in Vancouver, BC right now who get to see that <laughs> uh, performance of Sound of Music because it is one of my favorite uh, shows. So I I would suggest maybe checking that that out because uh, we did even though we did focus on Sound of Music, Sylvie did have another uh, like a, a, other options there. So I think that was my favorite today.
2: Yeah. I mean, we talked about uh, a few different things with Sylvie Fiquette, including some of this incredible collaboration of sport and art and um, talking and community building in this big project that's going on with the in regards to the Special Olympics. So there's just a lot. A lot happening in Vancouver, like you said. Also on our app update, John Bueller talked about a couple different things. First of all, Facebook is very much going to be changing. So if you're still active on Facebook, and I guess even if you're not, but you have a Facebook account, um, some of your information is not going to be visible anymore. This is after a court judge ruling, um, and that is, is important stuff like your political views, your religious views, your sexuality, and your address I mean, now that we talk about it that way, I've, I'm seriously surprised that these things were on Facebook to begin with. People were putting up their addresses on Facebook? Okay.
4: I can't understand um, that. I, I, no, I, unless they were, unless they were maybe doing like date, like, you know, like the, um, you know, like the, the date websites or something like that, you know, where you match, you know, where you go on and you match up with somebody yeah. or you're looking for someone. Yeah.
2: But even but, then.
4: Even then, yeah. I don't know. Even
2: then. Yeah. You know, but then again, like we do all kinds of st- stuff that's in the same range of putting up your addresses, right? Like tagging photos with our locations and keeping people posted on where we are all the time and taking pictures at where we're eating. So technically, I guess we're already doing it, you know, yeah. but it's uh, yeah. pretty good.
4: Maybe they take pictures of the birds they pardon too. Who knows? I don't know.
2: <laughs> I know, right? And where yeah. there are uh, where the birds are. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> yeah. yeah, great conversations. Though he also talked about how Twitter's on fire, so every other social media creator is trying to um, get get people involved where they would have once been involved with Twitter. So we'll see how that pans out. Margaret, thanks. Appreciate it so much that you spent your uh, two days with us hosting the show with me, and it's been a really fun time. You'll be back soon. I'll be back next, next week.
4: Yep, with, yeah. uh, with Kelly, and you'll get to take a long weekend off. So.
2: Oh, that's uh, and, right. Yeah, yeah. Finally, so my day's that's off.
4: Right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you'll get that. So I'll be back with Kelly uh, next Friday, and then I will also be filling in for Bill and doing the buzz too. So Perfect. I look forward to that. Yeah.
2: Yes, lots of Margaret to come. Thank you so much, Margaret. Have a great weekend.
4: You do the same. Thanks.
2: All right, on Monday's show, I'll be there. Yes, Kelly and I will be there for Monday's show. Uh, We're talking to Brock Richardson. He has our weekly sports update, and there's a lot going on. Uh, The passing of someone as well that he wants to mention and their real importance to the sports world. We're getting the scoop on AMI's Tripping On Air contest. Like I said, Greg David is going to be filling us in on that one. Uh, It's going to be a lot more detailed than what I've given you, so tune into that. Plus, orientation and mobility specialist Mark Rankin is sharing with us his experiences working with the Argus 2 retinal implants. He's got lots of interesting information on that. We also have our um, tech talk with Michael Babcock, and he's featuring the new app Menus for All. If that has to do with food, I'm in. Credits to our team. Our producers, along with myself, are Jeff Ryman, reporter Grant Hardy, Marianne Dion jones Our visual producer is Jeff Ryman, senior producer Matt Agnew. Our lots of rotating technicians this week, Daniel Panamondo and Eliza Rocco. Live production manager Paula Dineen and manager of AMI-audio Andy Frank. Have a great rest of your Friday and an awesome weekend ahead of you. We'll catch you back here 2 p.m. Eastern time Monday afternoon. On behalf of myself and Kelly McDonald, see you later.